ladies and gentlemen, it is episode number 1919, baby, here we go. Almost 20, we're almost there. Wow. Guys, it it's just, it's crazy to me. We've had so many guests at this point, such a good time, and I... I just feel like I it's getting harder and harder to remember a time where my week did not include going in the back with someone. So, yep. uh, Brad, just enjoying our uh, our weekly convos and meeting mm-hmm. new people. Yeah. And, you know, it's fantastic. It's recorded. And I hope you guys out there, if you're enjoying it, please feel free to let us know in comments, likes, and reviews and stuff like that. It's very helpful. But also, if you just want to message us and be like, hey. Here's what I appreciate. I know I personally enjoy receiving messages like that. Brad, are you getting messages like that yourself? Yeah, it's really cool seeing people in person too here in the store. That's like my favorite thing. Or, oh, hey, I bought this uplink because of the In the Bag podcast. That's my favorite compliment, and I've gotten that multiple, and I know you have too, Robbie. So uh, having a lot of fun. Thanks to everyone who's taking the time and listening. You know, you're giving us a lot of time, and we appreciate that. So um, we wouldn't make these episodes without you. So, you know, let's keep trucking on and remember to fill out the form below. We're always looking for new guests. Um, you know, I'm, I'm loving trying out this new plastic, Robbie. So it's had, it's really opened up my bag. So hopefully it's doing the same for everybody else. Come on. And we were just talking about it before the jackalope from an episode or two ago, Mm -hmm. already finding like success for you. Oh yeah. I, I love that disc. Yeah. It's, it's really teaching me that like Kaiser flip line without a lot of pain, which, you know, something I needed. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, before we even bring in our guest, Tim, I just, uh, a confidence booster to everyone listening. Like when you put a new disc in your bag, I wouldn't just like we are telling Brad when he goes out and tries discs in the field, your first flight with a disc may not be what like makes you fall in love with it. Or it's like, Oh my gosh, this is the disc I've been missing my whole life. Sometimes it takes you to getting used to and throwing some bad shots, but then other times, yeah, you are going to find a disc like the jackalope that you're just like, we were made for each other. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. So uh, let's jump into some more plastic, why don't we, uh, and bring in our special guest, Tim, today, shall we? All right. Sounds good. Welcome to In the Bag, Tim. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. How are you? Dude, living the dream. We get to talk about disc golf for the internet, on the internet. I, you can't ask for a much better situation nope. to be in. So, Tim, we want our guests to get to know you a little bit. Uh, so we have a few common questions. If you're new to the podcast, we ask all of our listeners this. Tim, you said your experience. So here we go. We're going to walk down the line. How long have you been playing disc golf, my man? Uh, I've been playing, I don't know if you'd count throwing ultimate lids at uh, the baskets at the local pitching pot here, but I, I mark January 2020 as the official date that I got the starter set for Christmas and set foot into the the snowy winter here and played the pitch and putt dude okay so i want to dive into that a little bit as an ultimate background guy myself did someone get you like into disc golf and you were an ultimate player and you were like well this is all i have or did y'all go out like how did that happen uh i played a bit of rec ultimate and it was mostly a cutter and never got much of a chance to handle or to throw too much so no uh, prior background helped me there but uh, there's the pitch and putt course is right up my grocery route, so I'd drive by and see these baskets and see folks throwing into them, and kind of pique my interest. We have like a fitness allowance at work, and I'm scrambling to try to pick some stuff to get before the year's over. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll get get some disc golf discs and see how that goes. And got very hooked and got hooked up with some of the locals selling me more premium plastics and have the full. Uh, a little bin behind me of growing discs and backups so uh and whole hog for sure i love it 
Brad, would your disc collection fit in a bin at this point? Uh, no. Let's <laughs> pass. Uh, so, now, don't worry. You got you got Mortal Lord 4 too, Tim. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, okay, so that's a little bit of your background, how you got into the sport. Let's talk about how you as a player, uh, what are we talking if we talk golf distance, both backhand and forehand? Uh, yeah, backhand, I'd say comfortably to put it where I wanted to, probably in the 250 range, 275 range. If I'm going out into a soccer field and get the perfect tailwind and just blasting something on a flex line, I've, I've gotten into the 350 range on a very lucky day, but it's more likely like 300 would be my, my max if I have a wide open field. Uh, okay. Forehand, I'm struggling a little bit with the release angle and not just doing the chop forehands that it's rare that I'm throwing a tee shot forehand, but I could maybe hit the 250 range uh, comfortably and then maybe 275 is my max for, uh, yeah, again, that perfect condition tailwind, big flex. <laughs> Dude, that's hey, totally understandable. We are all about on this podcast making sure like lean into your strengths, know your strengths. And if your strength is not a forehand, uh, I would say that's that okay. my I would say my lovely co-host uh, <laughs> would probably identify in that same place, and mm -hmm. he's great. So uh, we do not judge anyone that is forehand weak. Uh, so awesome. Well, that's tee shots and distance. Let's talk putting. We line you up at a basket. We have ten putters at fifteen feet, ten at twenty-five, ten at forty feet. How many are you making? Uh, 15, and again, this is just lining up, drilling 10 putts in a row and calibrating. I'm, I'm probably coming close to at least eight, if not nine, usually yanking one or two, uh, somewhere where I didn't want it to go. Uh, 25, mechanics break down a little bit more. I'm maybe getting in the, like, four or five range. And then 40, uh... I'm still kind of struggling between a step or a jump that I'm coming close, but I'm maybe only getting one or two coming fairly close to some other ones, but uh, definitely don't practice the circle two enough. Uh, that is totally respectable. I think when I talk about it a lot in my videos, people try to warm up and they're like, oh, let's go straight to 40 footers. And I'm like, why? I, I don't. I don't think you should plan on having a lot of 40 footers. So why are we practicing the 40 foot? But you know, it's fine. <laughs> different structure different folks hmm. well tim i appreciate that let's uh final question what is the biggest strength of your game right now uh i put on the show notes that it's kind of a funny one but i'm, I'm a lefty so I, I feel it comes in as a big strength playing the mixed doubles every week that i, I feel like i'm able to, to hit some lines that the ready backhand or the ready forehand can't hit as easily that it's uh some of the courses here are pretty lefty friendly and it's uh gives me some birdie looks that others don't often get a sniff at. Hey, I, I get that. We have two courses north of town here that are both designed by a lefty. Um, and there are multiple times where like when I take people to those courses, I just have to be like, you do know that a lefty designed this hole, like this hole, <laughs> right? Uh, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> so I completely hear you on that. The like simple flip up hyzer, whereas like the forehand were like, how do I get it to not fit? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mad respect. Uh, but I guess the disadvantage there being that you have to play a lot of naturally righty designed holes and try to make something work with not as great of a forehand. So uh, mm -hmm. let's talk about the tools that you bring to try to handle those, shall we? Yeah, for sure. 
So we want to start with distance drivers um, because one thing, a couple things that I really like about your bag. First off, you use the My Disc Bag like page masterfully. Uh, so if you are listening to this and you want to like submit your bag to the show, I'm going to go ahead and tell you how Tim did it. And if you do this, the odds of you getting selected instantly go up because this was immaculate to read. Uh, so Tim, you put in your main bag on my disc bag, and then you also have a bag that is, you called it the lost boys. Um, (laughs) that is hilarious to me. So lost boys are discs that you either lost or give it away. Yeah, I like to have a memento to the ones that I've left in the left in the woods when my car's nagging at me that we need to get going, or yeah, ones that I'm going to my dad or some some friends who want to get into it, mostly DX. Yeah, no, I hear that. Like I hear because uh, he even guys he has notes on them like Valkyrie, Hucking in the Woods, uh, T Bird, the pond, the tiny changes. Uh, that's incredible. So I love that. And then you also, I'm guessing extras is all of your backups. Yeah. Stuff that worked its way in and out of the bag. Uh, I think I have like some JK aviars there for more winter putting where I'm a little worried about like shattering a putter in negative 20, 30 Celsius weather here in Canada. Yep. yep. That, uh, I hear that as someone who putted with the plastic, I had a stack of JK AVRs for that exact reason. So I totally get that. Um, yeah. So you built, you put all of this in and then he shared, there's like a share feature and he just shared his link in the app, like in the show notes to get on. So I'm just saying y'all, if you do it, it's very convenient, uh, for everyone involved. So please do it. Uh, <laughs> but if you mm-hmm. don't, it's fine. We'll still look at it. Anyways, you have actually in the bag. One thing that I really respect uh, and appreciate is you only have one distance driver in there. So it's a turn. Tell me what the turn does for you. Uh, yeah, the turn, I think it was on the advice of some of the podcasts here to get at least familiarized with the Wimrith um, and get comfortable with, yeah, how it acts for the nose angle. I've, I've hummed and hawed pulling it in and out of the bag of uh, being a bit bashful again at league night, pulling out the 12 speed for a disc that card mates are throwing uh, fairways, mids, uh, nine speed control drivers about the same distance, but it's uh, it's max weight. So I feel like I'm rarely, unless if it's uh, tailwind getting the full S curve flight out of it. Um, but yeah, I'm liking it compared to a control driver that feel like I can not have to put my all into it and I get a good flight out of it. Also might get a nice skip out of it on some uh, some wooded courses where I'm throwing uphill and want to skip around the corner. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's a masterful use. Brad, do you like do you do you have disc in your bag that feel like a similar role of you're not necessarily getting the full flight of it, but the flight you're getting you're loving yeah i mean that's probably where my hades had been for a long time to be honest with you because i mean obviously it's kind of naturally understable for someone who can throw it correctly but for me it was pretty overstable so i was using it for that like overstable driver that i needed you know so yeah i i feel that i definitely feel that uh and I, like I said, I respect the fact that you have that in there. And I want to speak confidence to you, Tim, and also all the people listening who are carded up with people and random dubs of, oh, no, what if that, like, if I pull this disc out, are they going to think bad of me? 
do it. Trust, like, just throw it, dude, uh, and lean into it because, like, when you step up and you throw that shot and it comes out and it's masterful and you hit it, nobody's going to be looking at it and being like, dang, Tim just parked that hole. <laughs> oh, he, he did that with a 12-speed when I just threw a 6-speed? Oh, what a, what a dummy. Like, no, they're like, dang, I wish I would have parked that hole. So lean into it, throw the best disc for the shot, uh, and know that you get to laugh at your card when you threw the best shot with the best disc for you. So mm-hmm. want to encourage you in that as much as possible. Uh, but moving down to those controlled drivers, those fairway drivers, you've got five that look like they're in the bag. Uh, and on the two ends, like the two ends of the spectrum, we have the Roadrunner on the understable side and the Fireball on the overstable side. Do those kind of fill what you would assume naturally for like a super understable fairway driver and a super overstable fairway driver? Like what uh, else do those serve? They, they kind of don't. And I, I thought about tweaking the numbers in the MyDisc bag uh, software where the Roadrunner is a Barsby Roadrunner. And I, I read up on Reddit and Infinite Disk Reviews after the fact that a lot of folks are like, hey, this is, this is a lot more stable than the negative four ones indicating. And I even saw on someone who dubbed it the, the Thunder Runner that it almost <laughs> will come out sometimes with, uh, with a pretty sizable fade that I, yeah, it's pretty rare that I'm even hyzer flipping it unless, again, it's a... A tailwind or a headwind that I'm throwing in, a headwind rather that I'm throwing into, uh, and the Valkyrie similarly is a one mid six mid one sixties DX plastic. So that's almost sometimes I need to be pretty careful with it that it's taking a pretty big uh, turning motion and almost connecting with like a field house or something that I didn't mean to hit. <laughs> okay, so. All right, so we like mentally we'll swap the road rudder and the Valkyrie uh, for like functionality sake. Would you say? Mm. Okay. Yeah, I would say so, so. So then, what's the Leopard Three do for you? Leopard Three is kind of the workhorse, the comfort disc. Uh, one of my first forays into premium plastic was getting the the G Star Three Pack with the uh, G Star Valve, G Star Leopard Three, G Star ABR. Um, it's pretty beat in with some some gashes in it i feel like i can reliably uh hyzer flip it to flat i can power down on it in situations where should arguably be thrown a mid or even a putter but just have have that power pretty dialed in for some specific holes at my home course that i i know what it's going to do okay um yeah i i think there's definitely some comfort to that and g-star plastic dude beats in gosh it is it is amazing how good g-star plastic feels once it is in that like warden state because i i'm a firm believer that like star plastic feels incredible once it's beat in and g-star just like takes it even a step further and just good hand feel so i completely understand that uh brad do you have a fairway driver that you've had in your bag long enough that you feel like you've developed that relationship with that you're like it kind of serves multiple roles even beyond its speed like have you had one you've thrown that long not really i mean that's really the area i've been working on so i don't have a relationship like that with any of them um i do have a question on one of your extras before we dive like into mids and putters really quick that's okay robbie yeah um so tim you know i'm a big fan of the vulture and i see the vultures in your extras and i'm seeing kind of like a hole where maybe the vulture would live 
But I was just curious, you know, for someone your arm speed and your distance that you're throwing, is it just like too overstable for you? Do you just not like the feel of it? Uh, why is that in your extras and not in your back? Yeah, haven't really thrown it too much. I, I think doing some field work was throwing the instinct to roughly the same distance uh, with the same power and putting it up on the shelf. Like maybe they, I'm not ready for the 10 speed yet, that the instinct's pretty much doing the same functionality for the fade that it's getting and the distance that it's getting. Um, but I've definitely hummed and hawed about it uh, every few months. Like, am I ready for the vulture <laughs> for the 10 speed versus the seven speed instinct? So definitely one that uh, will hopefully find its way into the bag when the arm speed gets there. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's per personal preference. I love it. And you're talking about skipping, you know, for me, my vultures, like I can hit it. It'll go really flat for a while and hit a hard fade at the end and I can skip it around almost anything. So just, I was just curious, you know, anytime I see a vulture in an extra section, I got to ask why. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if so, I give much love for, for discraft. A lot of them are sitting in the extras that I've swapped them out for other things. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> I, I will say that I have a Discraft disc that I now have my eye on faster than anything, and that's that new Athena. Uh, as I've just renounced my eagles out of my bag, Discraft was like, hey, we have an eagle now. Uh, okay, I might check it out. Uh, that or the stalker. You know, good times. Mm -hmm. But, uh, okay, so let's. I want to talk real fast about your instinct. So you were saying your instinct flies similar to what you think the vulture does. So what does your instinct do for you? Uh, yeah, just reliable, put it straight, it'll, it'll fade, uh, like using it for forehands as well, that it's, uh, yeah, even if I release it with a bit of a chop accidentally, then it's still going straight or getting that, uh, fade to the, to the left as a lefty on the forehand. So, uh, yeah, definitely a useful tee shot forehand tool in the bag okay so would you say like of your five fairways the two that you're throwing the most probably are the instinct and the leopard three uh it would probably be the leopard three and then the road runner uh the leopard okay. three if it's in the uh maybe the 250 range and then the road runner if it's uh, in the 300 range kind of hum and haw between the roadrunner and the turn that again they go kind of the same distance and it's just kind of a uh fielder's choice whether i want to throw one or the other or they go okay. kind of the same distance right now yeah so i i we've talked about this in the past before something that i definitely would lean into um because you know i'm not trying to like contradict myself here in the advice but something we try to say often is like if you're if you've got two things that do about the same thing anyways i would always lean into one of those and throw that option more so not saying don't throw the turn or something like that but i think there's a, a beauty in you have this road runner the thunder runner uh <laughs> that doesn't fly like a proper road runner so um you could always like decide hey i'm gonna try to lean into this turn more and try to beat this turn in and throw it a bit more because I know that this roadrunner doesn't fly like an actual roadrunner. Uh, or I would go the opposite direction and say, I'm going to throw this roadrunner more to try to beat it in to actually fly like a roadrunner. And then maybe I can take this Valkyrie out of my bag when I get a roadrunner that actually flies like a roadrunner. 
something in that line. Um, so I just whenever I whenever I hear that statement of like these two basically do the same thing, I'm always like I just want to like push people into a world where don't go back and forth between the two. Pick one for a couple of weeks. Pick one for a couple of months and just see what happens if you eliminate that other option. Uh, so that would be my per- like that would be my advice there. But let's move on to Brad and I's favorite area of the bag, putters. Uh, we love to throw some putters. So you have one, two, three, four, five putters in your bag, or do you have two putting putter? Like two? Do you putt with PA threes? Uh, yeah, PA threes, the putting putter. Okay, so uh, you got PA three that you're putting with. You have an NV uh, and soft electron, which I love. Uh, so what does Explain to me difference between your Electron Soft Envy and the Berg. Uh, the Electron Soft Envy still uh, can pop a little bit on a hyzer flip to flat. Um, front flat will have a gentle hyzer. Um, it's rare that I'm using the Berg on a tee shot. I find that I use the Berg as the touchy forehand upshot that I could arguably arguably be in jump putting or kind of get the green light go from the devs partner to just uh, float it at the basket. Uh, so definitely something I haven't explored enough for Berg uh, backhand uh, upshots enough that the, the NV fills that slot more often than not. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Uh, and then, you okay, so you have, so that's like, straight shot from the envy berg the approacher so does the swan just like super understable yeah i i picked it up and then took it to a very new to me but very wooded course and dinged it into a few trees that it's very warped at this point uh and it's makes card mates laugh that i'm throwing it from pretty steep hyzer lines and having it drift all the way into the turning line uh don't know how much longer it's going to last in the bag before it gets unusable and i might be hunting down an equivalent uh but it's a great tool right now especially where i don't enjoy the the forehand tee shots okay i i think you i in my eyes i think you have its equivalent in your bag it's just going to take some time and i think that electron soft envy could be it uh, because it will war if you if you smoke a couple trees with it, it will warp as well. Can't confirm, but I found that like I have one literally downstairs. I'll have to next time that I see someone has an electron soft envy, I'll just have to bring it to show it because that thing looks looks like it has been abused. Uh, it is it is bad how warped it is. But for some reason, I don't understand how an object that is not that circular can fly straight and do what it does. But the Electron Soft Envy is that anomaly. So I think you could definitely have that alternative in your bag. Uh, but there is a disc that you also have in your bag that's perhaps one of the greatest discs to ever be made. Uh, and it's a pig. So what's your, what's your pig do for you? Uh, the pigs, uh, yeah, like a short tee shot or an upshot that needs to have fade. And it sticks pretty well versus the the justice where uh if i'm not hitting the angle right then it's taking a pretty big skip uh when i'm using the justice as the upshot um 
yep, the pig again is good on the, the forehand that I can, can flex it to land flat. Uh, yeah, it's a great tool. I, I'm checking in on it every so often that it's not losing too much of its fade to cycle on in, but uh, seems to be holding strong for longer than I expected it to. It's the beauty of the pigs, man. They are love and they are life. Well, what we want to talk about, I think you've got a great selection in your, your putters uh, for sure. The balance between the pig, you've got that straight option with the Eclipse Envy. And even, I think, comfortability-wise, the faster your arm speed gets, I think you can start throwing the Berg as a tee shot, um, especially on some shorter holes. The Berg can really, like, stand up to more than people give it credit for. I think they, like, view it as this, like, it's only 150 feet. They, here's the distance I think they compare it to. Prepare yourself, Internet. The unusability of the Saki Bomb Slammer, which is literally uh -oh. by design because Ricky, when he made it, he said, I want a disc that I can't throw farther than 300 feet. Like, that is, like, the dream for him. He's saying, like, 250 and in, and he throws very far. People think that, like, the Berg is just a shorter one of those, and I, I'd be willing to bet that if you put two massive throwers together, you could throw a Berg farther than you could throw a Saki Bob Slammer. And I'm, I'm holding to it. So, Operation Throw Your Bergs Off the Tee is a go, Tim. Uh, and you can get there. I believe in you. So, uh, definitely want to encourage you in that. But let's talk mids, because that's what we're here to talk about today, Tim. You got three mids in your bag. The Tursus, the Compass, and the Justice. We just heard a little bit about the Justice. But how big of a stability gap would you say there is between your compass up to your justice? Uh, the compass, I feel, and maybe I just muscle memory, I'm always releasing it on a bit of a hyzer. It, it seems to have a bit more stability than the numbers indicate. It's an old, like, rookie two-time opto line one, so I don't know whether those are more stable than the numbers indicate, but it almost yeah it might be more in the two fade range that even to flat it's generally getting a good fade out of it um the justice being pretty sharp fade uh we'll go straight for a little bit but um definitely the utility disc or the skip for the uh chop forehand <laughs> around the corner definitely definitely get that i mean that's that's why we love the justice uh it is certified beef um, and then your Tursus, the understable line, are you throwing it on some like Heiser flip straight shots? Yeah, it's, I think it's 177 plus and kind of the workhorse mid that I'm throwing on uh, flat. It'll generally hold flat. Uh, Heiser will pop to flat Heiser flip, but not seeing it break in very quickly to actually get to the turnover line, unless if I'm putting a decent amount of Anheuser on it. Yeah. And I, I think that's to be understood for the VIP, especially. I think if you had like a tournament plastic Tursus, it definitely would beat it a little faster. Even a retro, uh, I think is the West side version or BT. Um, Origio could definitely help you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah mm -hmm. Something. Uh, it's baseline plastic classic mm -hmm. trilogy. There's like 17 names. So I definitely, I would, like, I think spending more time on the Tursus and with it being a workhorse for you, definitely going to help. To me, the gap between the Compass to the Justice, I think 
you could definitely say that compass has like some definite fade to it um and has some hookup to it my my issue when you like have a disc like that is when the wind picks up at all like minimal wind usually those discs that are like marginally straight to a little bit of overstability they just get really straight on you and the last thing we want in wind is to de- be like doubting the disc we have in our bag so what i had brad try out today is i had brad try two mid-ranges that i think have more stability than your compass but definitely not going to dump and like immediately get out of the sky like your justice and we've got a reactor an eclipse reactor because you got some gyro and we have some discraft in there a little ball to action so p mcb got to th- got to respect the sixth time six uh, time so spoiler alert if you haven't watched that you're out of the loop why are you even listening to this podcast go watch that uh brad how'd it go uh it went well you know anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while knows i'm trying to work on that fairway and mid-range those two slots and i'm always uh you know before it was a little painful throwing mids but now as i'm like you know sharpening up my form a little bit and getting a little bit more comfortable with my fan grip i'm really enjoying throwing mids so this was a fun a fun test um so like robbie said i threw the eclipse reactor uh it's 175 and the esp malta is a 173 174 um Initially, at first, you know, the Eclipse plastic, I have an Eclipse Envy that I throw that I really like, so the plastic's familiar. Um, It is a little gummy, so if you are a gummy person, that's great. If not, maybe not for you. And then the the Malta is an ESP plastic. So, uh, again, I have several ESP discs that I throw as well. Familiar plastic. It's like that perfect blend of, like, not too gummy, but it does give give your fingers a little... Uh, room to stick in the plastic so uh, as far as feel I don't see a clear winner for me Robbie I think I like both of them so it's really personal preference if you're more of like a, I like a gummy disc uh, reactor the Eclipse plastic's probably for you ESP is a little bit more firm so you still feel like you can dig in though so let's talk about how they flew uh, backhand flat so reactor went about 235 ish for me uh, Malta went about uh, in the 260 range uh, Interesting. I didn't, you know, I've thrown the Malta before and I threw it like way early on, even before then the bag podcast, because I was trying to find some mid ranges that worked for me. And, um, I didn't love the Malta before my wife throws uh, several, she has several Maltas in her bag and I just always tried to never really like them. Um, but the Malta seemed to have quite a bit of glide for me. Like it wanted to stay in the air. So maybe I'm like, I'm hitting it the way that it needs to hit or whatever. It's not that the reactor didn't have the glide, but I was consistently throwing the Malta farther. Um, they both flew on flat, flew very, very similar lines. So pretty straight for a while. And then would, they don't dump out to the left. I'm sorry, Tim, this is for right hand backhand, but they would get, they, they did have consistent fade at the end, which was nice, but nothing too like unmanageable. Um, they, I wrote in my notes that they remind me of my vault, my beat in vulture that I throw all the time. They had a very similar flight to that. Just a slower version of it just didn't go as long. Um, so yeah, I it really in the backhand, just like flat neutral category for me, really the Malta kind of, you know, if I'm looking for something that will hit that like 260 between probably I could, if I, and I felt like I could put more power on it, which is what I like with my mids. Sometimes I get a little scared hitting them too hard. Um, 
because I feel like maybe they get a little uncontrollable or whatever. But uh, I really feel like I could, I could even hit the Malta a little harder. I could probably fit it between that. If I need a 250 to 300 shot for me, like the Malta would fit right in there. If I need something that faded consistently but not really quickly, then the Malta would be that for me. Uh, Reactor, again, it didn't feel bad in the hand or anything. I just I fan grip everything. Uh, in my mid-range category and the Malta you can probably see this uh, kind of groove right here it was like really great for my finger uh, whereas the reactor uh, a little slippery that's all um, again my Envy is the same plastic and it doesn't bother me but I'm not trying to put as much spin on it I think I'm not trying to hit it as hard typically so um, that's backhand uh, flat release highs of release so we can probably guess what they both did here on um, highs release. Both of them um, are stable discs, so they did keep the Heiser line. Uh, it was really just a varying degree. The, uh, the uh, reactor um, kept that Heiser line just like a steady fade the entire time. So just a sweeping kind of Heiser line the entire time. Uh, the Malta was like, yes, Heiser. I love Heiser. So it was like, it again, on the flat, because I, I, I was like, did I grab like an under, like a, a neutral Malta? Again, very different experience than I had prior, my prior Malta experience. But um, on flat, it was like fairly straight with a consistent fade. On backhand, I was like, oh, here's the Malta that I've heard about, right? So the Heiser line, it kept the Heiser line and pushed left. So they both went about like 240, 250 for me on the Heiser line with some power. Um, but the difference in the fade was like pretty noticeable. I mean, if we're looking at, I mean, they were sitting identically as far as distance in front of me, but the Malta was about 50 feet farther to the left. Like that's how much farther this thing was going for me. So it really loved the Heiser line. And that's probably, that could be a lot of things. Number one, maybe just more stable. Number two, maybe with that Heiser release, I'm not really giving it the spin that it needs. And maybe it's really just kind of diving out. So that's possible too. Maybe that's bad form. I'm not sure. Um, again, they were not uncontrollable. Like the fade wasn't uncontrollable. So it would have been nice. Um, the grass was a little long in the field I was throwing in, but I imagine the Malta would have definitely had a little skip to it based on the angle that it was landing on. Again, I don't think it would have been dramatic, but I think it would have had some skip to it. Um, any backhand for both of them. I uh, did get some more distance out of like a flex line. They both like had a nice flex line that I could do. Um, Reactor is about 260 feet. Malta was hitting that 280 range consistently for me. Um, what's nice is kind of in my notes here, I've talked a lot about un hitting that like any line on stable discs before when I was throwing it. And, you know, a lot of times the angle will be really sensitive and I'll have some struggles there. Um, I didn't feel like the nose angle, I mean, obviously I couldn't do anything crazy, but I didn't feel like it was super sensitive. So um, again, maybe an advantage of a mid range versus a driver, right? If I'm wanting to do a flex shot, maybe have some more confidence that I won't less margin for error, but the nose angle didn't seem, or the any angle didn't seem super sensitive. So I was able to get a nice flex line every time I threw it. It was, I wouldn't say effortless, but it was not hard to do that with either one of these discs. Um, I didn't feel like I had to hit them really hard to get them to turn over. Uh, both of them are pretty easy to get to go, to get to start turning out of my hand with the Annie line, but they both came back to the, the left. Sorry. They both faded out for all players here. They both faded out for me at the end. Um, again, it's just a matter of the Malta kind of gave a nice, like it was like a, 
an Annie shot with a, a quick S at the end, was, which is what the Malta did as it ran out of speed. Um, the reactor was more of like a, just kind of a, a big S, if that makes sense, just like kind of a sweeping. It did want to turn a little easier than the Malta, I will say that. It did like the Annie line a little bit more, and at the end it's like, oh, wait, I'm stable, and it came back. So, uh, but it was like this big sweeping, like slow shot versus the, the Malta was more like, Hey, I'm on Annie and I'm ready to get back and hit that big S at the end. So, um, something I did like about both of them too. Um, again, I'm not throwing a lot of these on forehand, uh, but I did throw both of them on forehand and they both, um, definitely would handle the torque, which was nice. So you can throw them both on forehand. Um, my wife's a, a primarily forehand player and the Malta's like her go-to forehand like mid-range that's like what she hits every time and that stands up for me again i have a little bit bigger fingers so the malta was a little bit deeper so it was a little bit more comfortable to forehand but the reactor was not uncomfortable i but if i had to choose i would choose the malta to throw a forehand again both of them you couldn't cheat they're not like my thrasher i couldn't like hyzer them and kind of you know use that to get some uh, spin on them they would really hyzer out if I really someone hyzer angle. They were sensitive for a forehand shot. I will say that on angle. So uh, overall, I, I really like both of them. Um, for me, I don't know that I, at this current moment, have a spot in my bag for them. But I can see now that I'm looking at your bag. Um, and Robbie, you can lean into this here in a second. But, you know, maybe that like where your justice is if you don't want something like so overstable, but you don't want something that is not going to get to the, sorry, the right for you, which is what you're looking for. Then these might be great discs for you and they're pretty controllable too. And, you know, maybe fill that spot for you a little bit differently. Yeah. So my, my question to you, Tim would be a does do either of those sound like a disc that you're interested in? Yeah. I'd be curious to see something not, fade as hard as the justice but have a bit more faith in the compass yeah and of the two is there one that like feels like it's calling your name a little bit more uh it's a tough call the glow plastic seems kind of cool for glow nights coming up um but the added stability of the malta might be a better fit for the bag yeah and i will say i've thrown the justice on the podcast before and I didn't like the justice because it was for me like so overstable that I just didn't feel like I could get what I needed out of it. Um, I think the Malta is just like the tame version of the justice, at least for me, how I threw it today. So um, I would probably agree with you. I, and you know, I, I love the globe plastic too. My envy's eclipse. So it's cool. But I think definitely for your bag and kind of what, how you describe the rest of how everything flies for you, I think Malta really fits that gap for you. So you can kind of arm yourself a little differently in your mid-range fairway control driver category before you jump up to those distance drivers. This will give you like one more shot and maybe even two more shots because I think you might even like the Malta on forehand, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, we'd be happy to throw it in there. I And I told Brad before we dove in, as he was talking through and kind of showing me his preferences, something that like... I want to, because we've talked about the Eclipse Reactor on previous episodes for sure, because I have one in my bag. Um, and as a mold minimalization guy, I the reason that I think I love the Eclipse Reactor isn't just because of the Eclipse Reactor. I love it because of when it pairs with the Fission Reactor. 
so for me those two discs like i love how it feels in my hand i throw them really well so it's a great compliment for my bag i don't know that if i didn't have the fission reactor in my bag that i would bag an eclipse reactor so i would agree with brad sort of recommending that malta for you um, as you already have a number of molds in your bag i don't think it's terrible to be adding one more and i I, once again, I'm not such a firm believer that the Eclipse Reactor is the best of its class in that slot. Mm-hmm. Unless you pair it also with the Fission Reactor. Mm-hmm. So what we'd be asking is, like, if you went with the, yeah, if you went with the Reactor, then you'd, I, I'd really be urging you to get rid of the Compass, um, which is a big ask as well. So I can totally agree, and if you're down for it, Tim, we would love to put this Malta in the mail for you and see how it flies for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. And it'd be good to try out some ESP plastic from Discraft 2. I mean, I see you have a little bit of everything in your bag here, so you never know. You may love it or you may hate it. Either one's fine, but then you at least you know. Yeah, yeah they're on a ESP buzz that uh, Compass knocked its way out of the bag more for the glow nights that I could strap an LED light to it and still use it throughout the winter. But, yeah, definitely like the ESP plastic from what I've used so far. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well... Tim, we appreciate you coming on, man. I hope it was enjoyable. And uh, we always ask this at the end. Would you be willing to come on uh, for a future episode and let us know uh, how the Malta flies for you? Yeah, definitely. Dude, awesome. Well, we We look forward to hearing how you brave the winter and also brave the storms of trying out a new disc uh, and look forward to having you on a future episode, man. Yeah, thanks so much. Take care, Tim. Thanks. Man, another another day done, and hey, another we have recommend, we've recommended Discraft plastic. We have, and sorry to interrupt again, but that's our third Canadian in a row. Is it? In a, it might be in a no, because we had uh, Kim was here a couple weeks ago, and she's oh, not right. Canadian. But that's two in a row. That is two in a row. That's that's I'm, that's luck I'm of the draw. You. Here's the deal, guys. When I'm looking through these, here, here's how I broadcast. Or here's how I, here's how I select people. I'm going through and I'm looking at your bag and seeing what the problem is, and I'm seeing if we've talked about the problem or not. And then nine times out of ten, if I find the right looking bag, that's what I go for. And then I check where are they from, stuff like that. Then I'm like, oh, yeah. So if you're from Canada, I will go ahead and let you know. We already have next week's guests lined up, but if you're from Canada, odds are we will not be selecting you in the next couple of episodes. Not because we are anti-Canada. Big Canada vibes here. Yeah. But we're going to try to try to reel it back in, you know? Uh, yeah. But our European friends, this when we record this podcast, is very friendly to your time zone, so let us know. We'd love to have some more European guests on and obviously U.S. guests as well. So it's yeah. been a lot of fun, you know? I love trying out these new discs, meeting new people. Um, so we appreciate you all. Absolutely. Speaking of things we appreciate, anything new in the warehouse? Yeah, uh, I feel like I've said this for many weeks in a row just because we've had that many discs. But uh, <laughs> the disc cruft's about all up now at this point. We're still powering through all of that. I mean, when I say pallets and pallets and pallets of discs, there was, I think, 118 or so boxes we had to go through. It was it was wild. Um, so we had a lot to do there. Discraft, Innova, you name it, we had a box of it. Mint. So we're still working through all that stuff. Um, the Innova, we have some Sonics going up this week, the Halo Sonics. We finally Ooh. got some of those in. Uh, Star Bosses, Halo Wraiths, you name it. So a lot of cool stuff there. 
Uh, Mint Disc, we have some free tails left. We have some Bobcats. I'm loving the Bobcat lately. Make sure you check out our Mint Disc stuff that's coming in. Hopefully, fingers crossed, by the time this comes out, we'll have a full uh, Lone Star stock. Uh, so, yeah, I have some armadillos, things like that, that people can finally get their hands on. So keep an eye out for all of that. We have a lot of cool stuff going up this week. Okay, okay. Well, we do have a disc to give away, though, in the comments. We want to make sure that we're doing that. We have this Eclipse Reactor. Uh, so here's, here's my question uh, for you in the comments. Obviously, Brad started as an all-discraft guy and has now expanded his bag. If you had to only throw one manufacturer, what manufacturer are you throwing and why? Let us know in the comments below. The more creative, the better odds you have of getting picked. Yep, exactly. We'd love to hear it. So, guys, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Seriously, if it, like, if it wasn't for you, we, we talked about this early on, like when we recorded our podcast. We were like, you know what? Are we like just going to dive in and do this? And then we just kind of said, you know what? If people are listening, then yeah, we'd be happy to keep making the podcast, keep doing it. And so because you keep listening and like following us along here, it is truly a pleasure to make this, this happen every single week and to bring people on. So thank you so much for your continued support. Like mm -hmm. seriously, can't explain how much it means to us. And as always, we want to remind you, if it's good, keep it in the bag. We'll see you for episode 20 next week. Thank you.